are living in a world of rapid change, a world of mounting complexity, a world full of information, but very few answers. Let's face it, it can feel complicated. And the more complex issues appear, the more difficult it is to find our way. But what if the answers we seek aren't as complicated as we think? What if I told you God is not a God of confusion, but a God of clarity? What if, instead of pushing forward without direction, we return to the foundation that God created for us? What if we decided to reject the confusion our world is presenting to us? What if we decided to get back to basics? When my wife was in elementary school, just starting out, she had a friend who got a brand new Barbie doll. And my wife, for whatever reason, did not have this Barbie doll. But she wanted this Barbie doll. And she wanted to fit in with all the other girls who had this Barbie doll. And so when this friend of hers was talking about having this Barbie doll, my wife had a moment of pride where she didn't want to be left out. And she said, oh yeah, that's no big deal. I have one of those too. But she didn't. That's the kind of sinner she was. <laughs> I, just kidding, people. Now here is an example of how the Lord works in mysterious ways. The Holy Spirit began to convict her heart over the lie that she told. And when she got home, she told her mother about the lie that she told and the guilt that she felt. And her mother, who is one of my favorite people on planet Earth, now my mother-in-law. So I say it not just because I have to, but because it's true. She's an amazing woman. She led my wife to Jesus. And she talked about sin and she talked about why we have that guilt and shame when we do something that goes against, you know, the will of God for our lives. And here's how God works in mysterious ways. My wife and I can honestly tell you today that Barbie led her to Jesus. <laughs> the Lord used a lie about having a Barbie doll to convict her about... <laughs> her need for salvation. Now that was a long time ago. If you're paying attention to what is happening culturally now, I don't know that Barbie's leading many people to Jesus presently. <laughs> There's this little movie that came out a few months ago, thought it might just be a fun kind of um, gimmicky movie, you know, in line with a lot of movies that are out nowadays about things in our childhood and, um, you know, things that are nostalgic for us. But I have to tell you, as, as the Barbie movie began to take hold of our society and as more and more people went to see it, I was a little caught off guard. And so I did what I thought I would never do. I went and saw it at the theater with my kids, with my wife. I should have listened to my message on manhood, but I didn't. I hadn't preached it yet. All right, and uh, I have to tell you what I saw, okay. I, I saw, first of all, a movie with a lot of good things. A movie highlighting some injustices, right? A movie highlighting um, some insecurities that, frankly, all of us feel as parents, but especially I know that mothers feel at times. There were some good things about the movie. Very well written, very clever, very funny. It actually has a substantive plot to it. But here's my takeaway. What was so great about it is also what's so dangerous about it. And um, I actually saw it twice in the theater. Once just to see it and once to take notes on it. Because in both occasions, I just have to tell you, people were having church. And then when I began to look at the numbers of like, okay, this is going to be a top 10 all-time grossing film. And so I thought, man, there's something happening here because 
What the movie is pushing is not just a movie. And today I want you to understand we're not here to talk about a movie because I'm not a movie critic. And even if I were, you don't care what I think. I mention it today because of what the movie encapsulates that is so gripping in our society. That what I personally witnessed was gripping to people in a way that was a little frightening. You see, the movie is merely encapsulating what many women feel, what many men think about where true fulfillment is found. And if I could summarize a lot of what happened there and a lot of um, kind of kind of what's so popular right now, which is what's made it a top 10 grossing film of all time. He, he, here, here's my key takeaway, okay? Here, here's what it does. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I just want to, here's, the, here's my takeaway. The movie pushes the narrative in our society that true identity is found in radical autonomy. You can be whoever you want to be. Let me give you two ways that autonomy is pushed. And again, pushed as a reflection of our culture. Pushed just as a reflection of what many people are leaning into today, okay? First of all, autonomy and who we're created to be. So here's what happens throughout the entire film, right? Um, there, there, there's, there's, there's presented to us that, that there's more for Barbie and Ken than who they were created to be. There's more there, right? Like, like, like you see all through the film that, that Barbie being Barbie and Ken being Ken are not enough or not enough if you've seen the film, <laughs> right? And, and there's this whole notion that there's got to be something more. And, and, and throughout the film, there's this developing autonomy, which is basically I can be whoever I want to be. And in order for me to be fulfilled in life, I need to be whoever I want to be, not who I was created to be. And so the, at the very end of the film, it comes full circle. Barbie meets the woman who, who created her, Ruth Handler, who's played by Rhea Perlman. And um, there's this conversation that takes place. Here's the point of the film. In this conversation, Barbie says, and I quote, I want to be a part of the people who make meaning, not the thing that is made. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, that is in essence the thoughts and feelings of Eve in the Garden of Eden. I want to be the one who makes meaning, not the thing that's made. She said, I want to do the imagining and I want to be the idea. I want to be whoever I want to be. And so she says to her creator, do you give me permission then to become human? I don't want to be a doll anymore. I want to be a human. To which her creator replies, well, you don't need my permission. Barbie says, but you're the creator. Don't you control me? To which the creator says, no, I can't control you. So the, the conversation concludes with this. Lean in here. So being human isn't something I need to ask for or even want. It's just something that I discover I am. Now understand clearly the philosophy that led to the writing of that conversation. Here's where we are in our culture today. We are telling people, we are telling young people that although you're born a biological male, you don't have to be a biological male. You may discover that you want to be someone else. If you're a biological female, you don't have to be a biological female. If you're uh, a man that wants to be with another man, a woman that wants to be with another woman, if you're in a context of a marriage now and you're not happy, if, if you're in the context of a family right now and you're struggling, listen, you can be whoever you want to be and who your creator has created you to be is not as important as who you discover yourself to be. Now, I want you to understand that is incredibly dangerous. And so self-discovery is presented as the key to human flourishing. You need to discover who you really are, not who you were created to be, not how you were designed to be. You need to discover who you want to be. And self-discovery is the key to human flourishing. This led 
writer Alyssa Wilkinson to say this, the movie is a kind of retelling of the fall of mankind. In both Genesis and in Barbie, a prototypical woman reaches for forbidden knowledge and then offers it to her male companion. Both are met by a, a loss of innocence and exiled from perfection. You see, we can only find fulfillment in who God has made us to be. So there's a radical autonomy in our society. Again, this isn't about the movie as much as it is just where our society is going that the movie reflects, okay? This autonomy, this radical autonomy that people will tell you is where you find your true identity. An autonomy in who you're created to be. And then secondly, an autonomy in who you're created to be with. And, and so the hope of the movie is that you can find fulfillment outside of others. You just be who you want to be. It doesn't matter about anyone else. And it doesn't matter that God's created every single one of us for relationship. God's created every single one of us for community. It doesn't matter that God has created, right, the majority of us for the covenant of marriage and the blessing of family. No, you don't need any of that because those things are burdensome and unnecessary. So at the end of the film, just before Barbie has this conversation with her creator, she has a conversation with Ken. Ken says to her as he's pining after her, wait a minute, there's no Ken without Barbie. He says, that's why I was created. I was made for you, Barbie. She says, well, maybe it's time to discover who Ken is. You have to figure out who you are without me. Again, it doesn't matter who you were created to be and it doesn't matter who you were created to be with. You just through self-discovery become whoever you wanna be and free yourself from these unnecessary hindrances of marriage and family. You stand on your own two feet, you be who you wanna be, and that's where meaning and identity are found. And I just want everyone to understand today while we're doing this series, because that idea permeates our culture like never before. My children are being told repeatedly through social media and through the influences of our society that self-discovery is the key to human flourishing. You can be whoever you want to be. Don't worry about who you were created to be. Don't worry about who you were created to be with. And I'm mindful today of the scripture that says there's nothing new under the sun. And I've been thinking a lot lately, a lot lately, not a lady, lately. <laughs> a lot lately about a man who actually lived out what our society is currently pushing on us. He had everything. He had complete autonomy. He did whatever he wanted to do. He slept with whoever he wanted to sleep with. He had more money than he could actually spend. And at the end of his life, lean in here, he had nothing to show for it. And let me show you what this man said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Just one summary verse of what he said. Here's what he said. Do not let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. And let me, let me just tell you this, okay? Those of you who are, uh, you know, you're, you're a young professional, maybe you're a, you're a student here with us today, you kind of got your whole life in front of you, your whole life is going to come at you very, very quickly. And Solomon's saying, do not let the excitement of your youth, I would say the autonomy of your youth, right? The drive of your youth cause you to forget who you were created to be and who you were created to be with. Because here's what Solomon is saying. If you honor the Lord in your youth before you grow old, then you will have fulfillment. But don't miss this. Honoring God in your youth before you grow old is a very short period of time. When you're 24, it seems like forever. You don't stay 24 very long. And before you know it, things stop working properly. (laughs) 
And Solomon said, man, it seems like so far away, doesn't it? That day when you're getting a discount on coffee. He says, I've lived that. I lived it in the way that someone who doesn't know God would live it. Fast and furious, I had it all. I indulged every single human passion. And here's what Solomon is saying. Now that I'm at the end of my life, I live with a lot of regret. It was all vanity. And so he says this, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Who you were created to be and who you were created to be with matters. Because if you live your life the way Barbie wants you to live your life and the way our culture is telling you to live your life, here's, here's where you're headed, okay? You're, you're headed to an end that is not pleasant. You're headed toward, toward an end that will not deliver what you think it will. Listen, listen to me carefully. The allure of what can be will rob you from the reality of what will be. Because what sin and selfishness and autonomy leads you to is a life where you're constantly mentally wrapped up in the allure of what can be, but when you get it, you realize it's not enough. And it robs you from what will be. It lies to you about what will be. Solomon says, I've lived it. And so I just want you to understand the importance of this teaching series called Back to Basics. We need to go back to the basics and discover and rediscover God's design for fulfillment and human flourishing. And I'd like to present today, ladies, a better path forward in terms of what it means to live as a woman in our society with true meaning and true fulfillment. Because it's not tethered to some type of radical autonomy. It's tethered to the beautiful design and plan and purpose of your creator. And so let me say this again. This is, this is something, if you weren't here last week, this is, this is foundational for us. Let me say it again this week, okay, as we talk about women. Last week we talked about men. But I just want to remind you of this simple truth that anytime you deviate from God's design, it leads to dysfunction. If you haven't yet made a note of that, go ahead and do that. Deviation from God's design leads to dysfunction. Last week we talked about the dysfunction in men to abdicate our responsibilities to lead with love, service, and sacrifice. There's dysfunction in men that has led to dysfunction in women. Men who are overbearing, men who are selfish, right? Men who lean into unhealthy patriarchy, right? Like, like, like I totally get it. And so we talked last week, if you weren't here, about what it looks like as men to lead in love, to lead with service and sacrifice, right? To assume responsibility, to submit to Christ and therefore to lead like Christ. And so we've talked about God's design for men. And today I want us to think through what God's design for women because it's equally as beautiful and it's equally, ladies, as important because what we'll see today is that God's created both men and women to be compatible, to complement each other. And the path to human flourishing is not found on a road of radical autonomy where you tell your creator who you're going to be. It's found as you lean into his beautiful, perfect will and designing you to be someone very unique and special. And so a couple things, ladies, just jot these down, all right? My goal is to bring some encouragement today as we have clarity in God's design. First of all, write this down. Women are equal in essence, but different by design. Okay? I just want to clarify this. I, I spent a lot of time here last week. So if you missed that, you can pull up our podcast or go to our YouTube channel and, and you can pull up the, the first half of last week's message. I just want to reiterate briefly today that women are equal in essence, but different by design. And, and that's important because both men and women are created in the image of God. Both men and women are biologically <laughs> the same in terms of human Spiritually the same as image bears, but functionally different. God's created us 
a little bit different. And those differences are meant to complement. But in a broken, fallen world, there brings a lot of tension into relationships as we try to navigate that. And, and so I just want you to understand, so often we get caught up in the tension, but in terms of God's design, there is equality, there is beauty, men and women are equal, even though we are different. Okay, just one more time, Genesis 1, 26, 27, then God said, let us make man in our image, that's mankind, right, according to our likeness, right, they, look at the plural word here, so man in the first verse, 26, is obviously talking about mankind, men and women, Created in the image of God, will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So there's no distinction in essence. There's no distinction in significance. Okay, the differences are by design, but there is equality in essence. So lady, let me just encourage you today, okay? I want to encourage you with something that's much more profound than what you're going to get in our society. You are distinct. You are are dignified, you matter, you are needed. And I just want you to understand, ladies, you're, you're, you're not distinct and dignified because of your physical appearance. It's deeper than that. You're not distinct and dignified because of your career, because of your marital status, because of someone else's perception, be, because um, uh, there are uh, men who gaze at you or of, uh, because of how many likes you get on Instagram or how many followers you have. Listen, you are distinct and you are dignified because God has made you so. He has made you unique, beautiful, special. He has made you in his image. You reflect his glory. And all that you bring to the table as women is valuable. It's needed. It is treasured. And we need women to be women. We need women to be mothers. A mother is not a birthing person. A mother is a biological female that has leaned into the beauty of family. And we celebrate women and mothers today because not just anyone can be a mother. Only a woman can be a mother. Only a woman can be a wife. And ladies, you are beautiful. You are distinct. You are dignified, not for any of the surface reasons presented in our society. That if you stand on your own two feet and you have a meaningful career, or if you have enough followers, or if you look a certain way, no, 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 no. Your value, your worth, your significance, your dignity runs so much deeper than that. God has made you unique. God has made you in his image, male and female. He's made us. So women are equal in essence. There is no issue with equality. There's no issue with significance here, but different by design. You have a... You have a unique role. You have unique attributes that are needed and treasured, right? And so, so, so lean, lean into a misunderstanding here. This is the second thing. Write this down. So I just want to, I want to say this loud and clear today, okay? Womanhood, therefore, is not weakness. Womanhood is not weakness. And this caricature is portrayed in our society that, ladies, if you value being a wife and you value being a mother... Somehow you are a second-class citizen. That if you value womanhood as God has given it to us, that somehow that's less than who you should be. And I just want you to understand, when God created man and then he created woman, both are so significant, both are so important. And... Um, and as we see through human history and we see in God's word, the role that women fill, it is not weakness. Womanhood is not weakness. And, and I want to show you Proverbs 31 here. I know it's a familiar passage to some of you. So some of you, this may be new. But I want you to lean in here because let me show you verse 1 of Proverbs 31. Most of the time people miss this. This is actually a word that was given to King Lemuel from his mother. This isn't some dude like sitting under a tree like, ah, I wonder what it's like to be a woman. No. Look at verse 1 here. The sayings of King Lemuel contain this message which his mother taught him. 
This is him learning from his mother what it means to be a virtuous wife, a virtuous mother, a virtuous woman. And ladies, I want you to lean in here because what I'm going to read is straight from the word of God, inspired by his Holy Spirit and intended to encourage you that being a woman is not about living in weakness. What you're gonna see in Proverbs 31 is not June Cleaver, someone barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. You, you're not gonna see in God's word and in God's design a womanhood described as weakness. Let's, let's lean in here. Proverbs 31, let me, let me go to verse 10. Check this out. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. In other words, it's not easy to find an amazing, incredible wife. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. Last week we talked about how he should be enriching her life, right? It's a, it's a two-way street. But notice it's, 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 it's joy in not autonomy and self-discovery, but, but in how God's created us to be and how God's created us to be compatible, right? And, and so there's this value as a wife. Her husband trusts her and she, she enriches his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily uh, spins it. She is like a, a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. In the Hebrew language there, that, that, that phrase, food from afar, is the Hebrew word Costco. <laughs> no, not really. All right, I'm just messing with you. All right. <laughs> no, 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 I'm smart. Some of you can go home and look that up today. No, it's not in there. All right, so, I love, man, she's, she's like, I just want you to see, she's leading. She's owning things, right? Um, she gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and, and plan the day's work for her girls. She goes to inspect a field and she buys it. Like she, it's not like she, she crawls to her husband like, can I buy this field? Like, like what's presented in our society as, a, as, as, um, as, as, as godly womanhood, right? No, 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 she, she's leading. She's managing the home. She's managing the, the, the dollars here. She's, she's buying and selling. She's working. She goes and inspects a field and buys it and her earnings with it, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong. She's a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor. She opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspread. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. In other words, he's freed up to work. He's fulfilling his role. She's fulfilling her role. Both are leading. Both have ownership. Both have strength. Right? Both have significance. She makes belted linen garments and sashes sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household. She suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. He says, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Men, that is a Valentine's Day card delivered right in your hand, all right? <laughs> Boys, I'm trying to help you out, okay? Right there. If you don't have a way to affirm your wife today, just open up the Bible. All right? You know what I did last night? I was sitting with my wife and I said, honey, I just want you to know you are more precious to me than rubies. And for a split second, I think she thought I made that up on my own. And I will gladly take the credit for it. That's just Proverbs 31. Right? So here we go, guys. Right? We affirm our wife. We talked about that last week. Right? Love, service, sacrifice. Okay, we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks with how in the context of marriage we meet each other's basic needs and how God's wired. So I'm going to talk about some practical ways that we embody these things. But I just want you to understand these, these women are strong. They're capable. They're important. They're significant. And, and you have children saying, Mom, you're the best. The husband saying, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. And then charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done and let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Now, ladies, let me just ask you this question. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? 
Why do so many in our society misrepresent God's design, undermine the role of a godly wife and mother? Why, why do we so devalue family? Why, why do we elevate autonomy? What's wrong with that? Ladies, have you ever been tempted to feel bad about that? You see, this has always been God's design that men and women thrive together. Because the roles that we have, that we're created for, are not about strength or weakness. Both men and women have strength. Both men and women have purpose. Both men and women have significance. Both men and women have a role to play in God has made women with just a beautiful strength, not only to buy and sell property and to invest the earnings and a secured future and be active and strong and wise, but but to care for the home, to be active with the children, right? To, To encourage the husband to do what he's designed to do. I don't, I don't know why any of these things are bad things. L- l- listen, here's what, let me show you what Genesis 2 says, right? Like Genesis 2 basically tells us it's not good for men to be alone. And ladies, I know in your mind right now, you, there was a big amen right in that mind, right? I know, I know, it is not good I'm getting amens from men, all right? I mean, we know, ladies, trust me, we know, okay? None of us want to live in a world of just men, okay? (laughs) And the Lord said that. So let me show you Genesis 2, because I want to show you something here you probably have missed in the past, ladies. The Lord said this, it is not good. The Lord said, not man, the Lord said, you know what, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make, watch this, a helper who is just right for him. There's, ladies, don't miss this, an all-out assault on the biblical notion that you are a helper. Do you know why there's an assault on that? Because they, the secular world, of course, completely misunderstands what it means that you are a helper. Do you know what that word helper is used for in the Old Testament? You ready for this? It is used for military reinforcement. That is not a weak word. That is not a word that suggests you are a second-class citizen for loving your husbands and, and working and leading in your role in such a way that it supports his and frees him up to do his. L- listen, that word helper there is not a weak word. It's a very strong word. It is used elsewhere in the Old Testament of a, of a military campaign. And there have been times when, as I have said and done stupid things, I have felt the force of a military campaign. Womanhood is not weakness. Being a helper is not something that is, is uh, you know, a secondary role or you're a second-class citizen. No. It, it means that you're bringing the thunder. It means that you're doing what God's designed you to do. You're working hard. You're caring for your children in ways that your husband can't. Because as I told you last week, and this is true, that children need a father. Let me tell you what else children need. A mother. They need mothers who love and care and discipline. And it's a, it, again, it's a team effort. But this idea that you can just be whoever you want to be and discover who you want to be outside of who God's designed you to be is fleeting and foolish. It will not deliver what in your mind it promises. And I just want you to see here that, that men and women are equal in essence, although different by design, and womanhood is not weakness. The fact that women are given to men in Genesis 2 is is like cause for rejoicing. Adam is like, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He's rejoicing that he has an equal. This is not weakness, man. This is military reinforcement. It's like, we're going to do this together. This is like, you can't do this without me, men. I mean, this is like Adam's going to live on a diet of Captain Crunch and popcorn, and <laughs> he's got no direction for his life, right? And no, teasing here, but I'm just saying God's made men 
to lead, to reflect the loving, sacrificial, serving leadership of Christ, to assume responsibility, to lead in provision, guys. That's our role. And he's made women to come alongside of men and also to lead in the capacities he's designed women to lead. To do it together, right? To, to raise the children together, to, um, to organize the family together, to care for the home together. And the, ladies, I just want you to understand, woman's not weakness. You have such a vital role. And in your role, you free your husband up to do what God has called and made him to do. That's a beautiful thing. And can I just tell you, I would not be who I am or where I am without my wife. And I wouldn't be who I am or where I am without my mother, who happens to be here today in this room. And I love you. And my mother-in-law is a praying woman and just such an encouragement to me. I mean, I'm just, here's what I'm trying to tell you. None of us would be who we are, where we are without our mothers, without our wives. Can I just tell you something about Bell Shoals? We, we've been around since 1961. We're over 60 years old. And can I just tell you straight up, Bell Shoals wouldn't be who we are without the leadership of some amazing, godly, talented, gifted women. Can I tell you about one? I, I thought about rolling through a whole list. but Can I tell you about one who literally has been on our team for over half the time we've been in existence? Her name is Debbie Wiseman, and she leads our connections team. Debbie, come on. <laughs> Debbie is, uh, man, she's a firecracker. She has more energy than any person on our team. She's incredibly gifted. She's on our executive team along with some other incredible women. She has uh, alongside of her two women, Sylvia and Donna, just amazing women. Her team is on the forefront of what happens here at Bell Shoals. I call her our stalker-in-chief, okay? <laughs> like every single person who connects with Bell Shoals, they hear from Debbie. They get texts, they get phone calls, they get emails. I mean, I, I lean on her. I get her advice and her perspective. She's amazing. She's not called to my role. But let me tell you something. I wouldn't want to be in my role without her in hers. And for literally over half the time we've been in existence as a church, Debbie has been the tip of the spear. And she is a giant in my mind in terms of influence. And you could not tell the story of Bell Shoals Church without mentioning Debbie Wiseman. And so women, I just want you to know, don't you think for a minute, don't you buy these lies from this culture, the caricatures of our culture telling you that to be who God's created you to be is somehow not enough. No, men and women are equal in essence, different by design. Womanhood is not weakness. Lastly, okay, just lastly, write this down, all right. Marriage and motherhood are not inconvenient hindrances. They are meaningful endeavors. And ladies, I just want to leave you with this encouragement, okay. Because our society has so undervalued being a mother. Our society has so undervalued being a wife. And the idea of a woman laying down her life to love her husband and to love her family is like, oh, you're a second-class citizen. You don't have a career outside the home or you don't make a certain amount or you don't have this many followers on Instagram. And again, it's not about working inside, outside the home. My, my, my point is our society is leaning into an autonomy that's unhealthy and unfulfilling and at the end of our lives, we're all going to be surrounded by someone. You know what we're not going to be surrounded by? Large piles of cash. When I'm on my deathbed, no one's going to bring all the plaques that I've earned through the years. Here's how I view my life as a man. I'm going to leave a legacy and somewhere in my legacy, there may be a little bit of a footnote about being the pastor of Bell Shoals because that's a privilege. And I, I hope that God uses us together as I have the privilege to be your pastor. But make no mistake about it. As I think about my legacy, it involves five people. 
All their names start with a C. That's my legacy. Because 50 years from now, no one's going to remember that I was the pastor of Bell Shoals Church or how many books I wrote or where I, whatever. And it, nobody's talking about that. But you know what? 50 years from now, hopefully I'll have some great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren. I'm not sure how the timing of all that works. But, uh, and you know, what, you know what my legacy will be? Did I, did I lead my wife and children as my parents led me in such a place that my children know and love the Lord and they marry people who know and love the Lord and they have children that they invest in who know and love the Lord because people live forever. All of our other stuff does not. And I just hope 50 years from now that my legacy is seen in my family in a generation of children 50 years from now that know and love King Jesus. That's my legacy, right? And ladies, I just want to affirm you in this. In a, in, a, in a day and a time that tells you that if you enjoy being at home, and I love people say, um, <laughs> well, do you work at home? Uh, yeah. Whether you also work outside the home or not, I mean, the hardest work in the world is to work at home. Children are inconveniences from the Lord. No, 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 hang on, I got that right. Oh, no, that's not in the Bible. Hang on, no, no, no. Oh, children are a blessing from the Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the hardest work is in the home. We're all working at home. Yes, ladies. There's nothing wrong with loving that, leaning into that, right? For Proverbs 31, you're leading. You're, you're thriving. You're, there's, not, there's not weakness, right? <laughs> you and your husband together, both filling your roles, and then your children rising up and saying, Mom, you're blessed. Mom, I couldn't be who I am without you. And that's your legacy. What's wrong with that? That's a beautiful and needed thing. And I understand. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. I understand not everyone's called it. Not, not everyone's called to marry and some are called to singleness and that's totally okay. There are no second class citizens, right, in God's family. But for those of you who are called, I just want you to understand you're called to this because God's made you for it. And we've got to push back against this radical autonomy that leads to some type of self-discovery. And we need to lean into God's design that says, you know what, the greatest fulfillment we'll have in life is to be who God's made us to be. To be with who God has made us to be with. Here's what Titus 2 said. Here's the scriptures encouraging those of you, you have grandchildren now. Look at, look at this. Here's what the scripture says. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Don't, don't slander others. Don't be heavy drinkers, right? And instead, check this out. They should teach others what is good. And these older women should train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. That is a radical statement in our society. But that's a beautiful and a precious and a needed thing. And I know parenting is hard. I know motherhood is hard. I know there can be numerous insecurities. I know there can be all kinds of difficulties. I know, ladies, you have imperfect husbands. My, my wife has one. You have children that no matter how faithful you are as a mother are probably going to do and say some things at some point in their lives that shock you that maybe make you feel like you're not a good mother. Hey, I get it. I'm right there with you. My wife's right there with you. Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. But do you know what's true? Anything worth doing in life and anything that brings tremendous reward is going to be difficult. And here's what I tell people. If you think that you can live on a path that's outside of God's design for you and somehow it's going to be easier, you are sadly mistaken. And so ladies, I want to encourage you. I hope you're encouraged today. Yeah, marriage and parenting are difficult, but they're worth it. You're needed as a wife. Your husband needs you. And I'm challenging them to lead in love and service and sacrifice, to provide, protect, and direct in a way that honors King Jesus. And I'm encouraging you not to feel any sense of shame for, for who you are not in the eyes of the world. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if you are leaning into God's design for you, you are enough. 
and you are doing what you need to be doing and you are who God's created you to be. That is true. And, and just don't forget that, 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 that this, this journey you're on as, as a wife, as a mother, right? Like, like it's like farming. You're sowing a lot of seed and, and we're all as parents, man, we're just waiting for that seed to take root. That's why Proverbs 17, 6 says this, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. They're the payoff. <laughs> Come on, talk to me, somebody. All right. I'm, some of you right now, you're still carrying wallets, right? And you're like, hey, let me show you my grandkids. <laughs> right? That's biblical. That's your legacy. What's wrong with that? I don't know why our society's got to lean into caricatures and, well, actually I do. Do you know why? Because those who don't know better and those who don't know different want to live a life of autonomy, pushing back against the creator, saying I can do it myself. But those who actually live well, those who thrive, those who have fulfillment, those who have meaning and purpose are those who say, actually, I'm going to live out who God's created me to be. And ladies, I just hope you're encouraged today. There's nothing wrong with being a woman. There's nothing wrong with being a wife. There's nothing wrong with being a mother. Man, there's going to be some hard days. There's, there's going to there be some difficulties that arise, but I want you to know we need you. We love you. We rise up today as husbands and sons and daughters, and we call you blessed. And it's not even Mother's Day. But it's true. And don't you lean into the lies of our society that says you can be just, you know, whoever you want to be. And no, 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 I want you to lean into the needed, valued, treasured role that God has assigned to you. Because as you do that, God is going to use you. Last thing, I, I read a book this week. It was a biography of Billy Graham. And um, the authors of the biography went to visit Dr. Graham and his wife at, at his home there in North Carolina. And when they walked into his home, they got a little tour of the home, they noticed a sign in the kitchen that Ruth Graham had there. Her children and grandchildren still talk about it to this day. The sign says this. Divine services conducted here three times daily. Isn't that precious? Her children and grandchildren still talk about that sign in the kitchen. Listen to what it says. Divine services conducted here three times daily. That is exactly what happens when we lean into being a wife and a mother, a husband and a father. These are divine servants. These are not mundane, meaningless endeavors. These are divine privileges. And if you ever feel like, you know what, just in what you're doing for your husbands and what you're doing for your children is somehow not enough, you just push back against that and you remind yourself this week that what you are doing as a Proverbs 31 leader and woman is divine. It's needed, it's treasured, it's valued. You be you. And men, let's be who God's made us to be. And let's just see if by leaning into God's design, we can't discover God's best for us. Because it ain't out there in the world, I can tell you that. We will only discover true meaning and fulfillment as we lean into who God's made us to be. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me and... Um, as we did last week, all right, if you're married here and your spouse is in the room, men, I want you to take your wife by the hand right now, all right? If you strategically placed your kids in between you so you didn't have to talk to her today, just bump those kids out of the way, all right? Throw them in the row behind you. They'll, trust me, they'll come back. And I just want you men to grab your wife by the hand. I'm going to ask my wife, Christina, to come. And... Um, She's going to close us in prayer today. And I want to encourage you to be with us here the next few weeks. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to switch up the schedule a little bit. We're not going to talk about sex next week. Here's what we're going to do. Next two weeks. We're going to talk about it though. Don't worry. All right. The next two weeks we're going to talk about how God's wired us to function in marriage. Okay. Talk about the basic needs of husbands and then wives. Then we're going to talk about 
intimacy. And then the last week, I know a lot of you already have questions. We're going to talk about how do you function in a marriage, in a family, in a world when things don't go according to plan. You have a spouse that's not a believer, whatever. We're going to talk about some of those things. And um, if you have questions, you can connect with Debbie Wiseman out in the lobby. <laughs> She's eight feet tall. She's a giant of Bell Shoals, okay? <laughs> not really. But you can uh, text us, text Bell Shoals 77411 um, if we need to. Um, we can gather on a Wednesday night and just kind of do a little um, Q&A on some things. But um, you let us know how we can serve you and your family. We're here and we're all in this together. And so let's pray together. And uh, I love you, my dear. Why don't you pray for us, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, our creator, our counselor, the one who speaks truth to our lives, if we will just listen. Lord, we admit to you that there's conflict in our thoughts, in our feelings, about what it means to be enough as a woman. Sometimes we get confused about what's most important and what things really have meaning. Lord, we need you. We need other Christians to speak truth into our lives. We need your word to guide us every single day and your Holy Spirit to affirm us when we are following you. So, Lord, today we present ourselves to you. We surrender to our creator who has designed us for a purpose and with meaning. We follow you and we embrace who you created us to be. So that you will be honored and glorified. So that you will get the praise We thank you for what you are going to do in us and through us as we follow you and live out the purposes for which you have created us. Be glorified, bring others to you. And when we see you face to face in your kingdom, may we hear from you, well done my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.